Hello everyone, welcome to the Halloween episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast for the year 2019. Now if you've been following the show for the last few months, you'll know that I have been busy working on a new role-playing game system that draws inspiration from creepypastas and urban legends. These are two very fascinating subjects, and I could certainly talk a lot about them, but for my Halloween episode this year, I'd like to give you my top 13 list of urban legends and creepypasta. Now first, let's just take a moment to define those terms. First, a creepypasta comes from an earlier term, copypasta. A copypasta is a block of material that gets changed and passed around the internet through various forums or emails. A good example of a copypasta is the tough guy copypasta. Sometimes you might see this if you offended someone or insulted someone on a forum discussion. Usually the person you offended will claim that they're a Navy SEAL or a U.S. Marine or part of some sort of military operations force that is known for being exceptionally tough. And then they'll talk about how they're going to get one of their friends in the government to trace your IP and that he's going to hunt you down and using weapons given to him by his government sources, he's going to basically blow your brains off. Which seems totally legit because I'm sure that the government is going to be happy to devote their intelligence resources and their weapons so a supposed elite soldier can murder a civilian because he had his feelings hurt on the internet. Seems 100% legit, doesn't it? Well, that eventually gave us the term creepypasta, which is an internet horror story that gets passed around in much the same fashion. Urban legends have been around for a lot longer than creepypasta and copypasta have. An urban legend is a story that gets passed around, and sometimes it sounds like it might be true. And some of them, you you know, they sound like they're completely made up. However, there are situations where sometimes a creepypasta that does sound like it should be fictional actually turns out to either be partially true or entirely true. Now, there's a lot of urban legends out there. Perhaps one of the more well-known ones are chain letters. Though this eventually evolved into something called the chain email. Now, these chain letters claimed that once you got that letter, you had to forward it on to a certain number of your friends within a certain amount of time. And if you did, you would get good luck for the next few months or maybe even few years. However, if you broke the chain, you would be doomed to suffer bad luck. Now, this one is totally true because my uncle's cousin's former roommate's nephew, he forwarded on a chain letter and the next week he won a million dollars in the lottery. However, unfortunately, my sister's former college roommate's brother-in-law knows someone whose uncle 
has a friend whose nephew didn't forward on the chain letter and three days later he was eaten by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Poor guy. Now when I talk about some of my favorite creepypasta, I'm going to be mentioning a couple of SCPs. This comes from a creepypasta called the SCP Foundation. SCP is short for Special Containment Procedures, and the it's also the, the company's unofficial motto, Secure, Contain, Protect. The SCP's goal is to find, catalog, and contain unusual objects that have supernatural or magical powers, usually to protect humanity from these these things. However, not all SCPs are dangerous. There's actually a few that are beneficial. So I just wanted to throw that in there for anyone who's not really familiar with the term SCP. So here we go. My top 13 favorite urban legends, creepypastas, and SCPs in no particular order. Number 13, SCP-3008, a perfectly normal IKEA. Now, according to the SCP wiki, this looks like just a normal everyday IKEA store. However, all the roads around it have been blocked or rerouted because anyone who goes by this store feels an urge to enter it. And here's where things get creepy. Once you've entered the store and once you've gotten a certain distance into it, you're transported to a different part of the store. And it's believed that the interior of this store uh, might be several thousand square kilometers. So the page on this SCP has several entries from a journal that was recorded by a man who managed to escape this SCP. He reports that as he entered the SCP, he encountered these strange humanoids that were faceless entities dressed in IKEA uniforms. And during the daytime, when the store would normally be open, they ignored you. However, at night, they would chase you and become violent, and they would often tell you that the store was closed. But what I found most interesting is that there were cities that developed inside of this Ikea. The person who wrote the journal described how he went to a city and he learned that the people who are trapped within this infinite Ikea store will build makeshift cities as a way to protect themselves from the strange humanoids. But what I found even more interesting is that this SCP appears to pull people in from other dimensions and alternate histories. For example, he records that he met people who didn't know what the International Space Station or the Statue of Liberty were. So one of the reasons I like this SCP is because I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of buildings that are either infinite or that are larger on the inside than they appear to be on the outside. But the fact that this SCP seems to pull people in from other timelines and other and alternate histories, I found that interesting too. And I'm probably going to use this in my current test campaign for the uh, game I'm developing. 
Number 12, the back rooms. This creepypasta talks about no clipping out of reality, which that's a term that comes from video games when you use a cheat code that lets you walk through walls or go outside of the areas that you normally are are supposed to be in. So it's described as being a series of interconnecting rooms believed to be infinite. And most of these rooms are yellow with uh, the very dull, sickening yellow color of the walls and the floor is uh, just this mildewy, stinky carpet. And there's this persistent buzz of fluorescent lights. And there's said to be three different levels to this backroom area. So the first level, level zero, is believed to be the least dangerous and the one where it is possible to escape. Level one is more dangerous, and sometimes you can encounter strange creatures here. And then finally, there's level two, where it tends to be more like a like a cinder block basement with pipes that uh, off seem to have some sort of hot material in it because the air here is very hot and, and humid. And some people have expanded upon this creepypasta, uh, writing about how they've encountered different types of beings and entities in this area. So again, since I'm fascinated by this idea of buildings with infinite or extremely large spaces, that's one of the things I found interesting about the back rooms. And I did actually use that in my test campaign I'm doing for my new role-playing game. And if you want, you can go to drivethroughrpg.com and I actually made a demo adventure for my game inspired by this creepypasta called The Yellow Maze. Number 11, Slideshow. This creepypasta tells a story about a man who bought a digital camera off of eBay. And when he got the camera, he noticed there was a memory card still inside of it. So he put it in his computer and looked through the, the pictures. The first one was a picture of a mailing label, followed by a murder scene. The next picture was also another picture of a mailing label, followed by a different murder scene. So as he goes through this slideshow, he keeps seeing pictures of mailing labels followed by a murder scene. The last picture of the slideshow is his own mailing label. So one of the things I like about this story, and probably what makes it so scary, is it's actually kind of realistic if you think about it. Because when you buy something off of eBay, well, basically a complete stranger knows your mailing address. And since they can follow the tracking, they'll know approximately when you got the package. And that might help them determine when you're most likely to be home. So it's something that I think is possibly feasible. Hopefully not. I'm pretty sure that most people who sell stuff on eBay are not homicidal maniacs. Number 10, Binary DNA. This creepypasta explores the possibility that binary data in your computer 
might have some form of life to it and that it might be able to gain sentience. This creepypasta also tries to connect some other well-known image creepypasta, including Suicide Mouse, Smile Dog, and Barbie.jpg. The creepypasta talks about a group of hackers called the Cardinals, and they find these several files, and when they put them together, it forms a new file called barelybreathing.exe. And when they run it, well, later on, the members of this hacking group are all found brutally murdered. So I just think that's interesting, this idea that maybe those zeros and ones running around in your computer right now might actually have the potential to come together and form a new life form. Number 9. Candle Cove This creepypasta is about people trying to remember a children's show that was on a long time ago called Candle Cove. This TV series was about a girl named Janice who had imaginary friends with a a group of pirates and they sailed upon a ship called the Laughing Stock. Now the show also had a villain in it called the Skin Taker who would take your skin and grind it between his teeth. One of the more well-known parts of this creepypasta is the screaming episode where it is a bunch of people screaming at the camera while poor Janice cries. Now the end of this creepypasta talks about how only some people seem to have remember seeing this show and one poster said that he asked his mother if she remembered anything about Candle Cove and she replied that you know it was unusual because you would tell me that I'm going to go watch Candle Cove now and you would tune the TV into a channel that was nothing but static and watch it for a half hour. You had such interesting adventures with your pirate friends. So one of the reasons I like this creepypasta is I think it's somewhat relatable because I'm sure many of us fondly remember watching cartoons and children's programming when we were younger. And it's likely there's some series that we remember bits and pieces of. And some of those series that we may have watched might be so obscure that it's hard to find any information on them. So that's what I find both creepy and fascinating about the Candle Cove creepypasta. Number 8. The Holders Now this one's actually a series of creepypastas. It talks about a group of people known as the Holders who possess these magical items. And in order to obtain one of these items, you have to go to an insane asylum or a halfway house and ask the right question. Now, the people who try to find these objects are called seekers. And if you find what you're looking for and you find a place where you can speak with a holder, you have to undergo a test of power. And if you complete the test, you gain an item. If you fail, yeah, you're probably going to die. But according to this creepypasta, it's said that if someone manages to get all of these magic items, 
that they will either lead the world to peace or destroy it, whichever comes first, I guess. Number seven, SCP-2523, The Goblin Market. Perfect timing for a Halloween episode. SCP-2523 is an unusual occurrence that takes place in seasonal Halloween stores located in the U.S. and Canada. All these stores link together, and it's said that while you're in there, at the right time, you can meet up with these goblins, which are described as being humanoids about a meter tall that all have animalistic features to them. Now, the merchandise you can find in the goblin market appears to be stuff you would find in a Halloween store, various costumes and decorations. Now, when you try to purchase one of these, the goblins try to persuade you not to use money, but to trade something else, like a memory or maybe a a special item. And it's said that if you actually trade for this, like uh, some of, I read the, the entry for this on the SCP site, and they were saying some of the things that have been traded included narcotics, a small child, a tooth, memories, and one person apparently gave away their ability to empathize with people. But if you do a trade like that, you get a special item. And some of these items will have unusual powers when removed from the store. Like they talk about one, which is a set of plastic vampire teeth. And when you put them in your mouth, you feel an insatiable desire to drink the blood of vertebrates. Another one is a sexy nurse costume that causes the wearer to lose their inhibitions. Now it's said that these humanoids are called the Autumn People, and they come from the Autumn Country, and they claim that they've been trading with people since ages past. So I found that interesting, and I'm probably going to use this in my test campaign. I could see this as being a special market you have to go to in order to get a special item that you need to complete an adventure or defeat an exceptionally powerful foe. Number 6. The Tunnel to Hell I first heard about this legend when I read a book called Weird U.S. by Mark Schuler and Mark Moran. I'm pretty sure what their, that's what their last names are. I know both of them have Mark as their first name. But it's a collection of urban legends and ghost stories and paranormal tales from across the U.S., So I highly recommend taking a look at it if you're into that kind of thing. And I know they've also done editions that are just limited to certain states. Uh, We actually have the one for Weird Wisconsin. And I know they did also make one Weird New Jersey. Well, in this book, they talk about how in some places, there's an urban legend about a tunnel to hell. And what this is, it's an unused tunnel that no one really remembers who built it or why. And I actually incorporated this into my first demo adventure I released called The Tunnel. 
According to the legends, people would go inside these tunnels to see how long they could last before they got scared and left. And while they were in there, they would sometimes see or hear strange things. And sometimes they would encounter this terrible smell. So, of course, there were rumors that Satanists used the tunnel to conduct their dark rituals. Number 5. Slender Man What can I say about Slender Man that hasn't already been said? It's an interesting character because, well, we really don't know too much about his backstory. Now, the character started out on the Something Awful forums where they were having a contest to create paranormal images. So someone had posted a picture of a bunch of children at an institution with a man in the background whose face was distorted and he had exceptionally long arms and legs. And there was a caption about how he both terrified us and comforted us at the same time. So this kicked off a trend where people would make their own images with the Slender Man and he's also appeared in a few video games as well. There's also been several YouTube series where some people have made their own interpretations to the Slender Man mythos or for copyright reasons they would change the name. Uh, probably the one that I'm most familiar with is called Marble Hornets. They have a Slenderman-like character in that series, except they, they call him the Operator. They also give a possible theory as to his origin. I remember in one of the episodes, the characters are in a forest looking for a place to film. And the character Alex explains how the trees in this one part of the forest grew faster than the others. So people long ago used to punish criminals by tying them to these trees. And because of the, how fast these trees would grow, it would stretch their limbs out and pull them apart. So I think that they were trying to hint at a possible idea for Slenderman's origin. He may have been a criminal whose crime involved children. And he was punished by being put on these trees and had his limbs stretched out, but he managed to get out before dying. At least, that's how I interpreted that particular episode and what they were trying to say. Number 4. The Surprised Surpriser This urban legend is actually fairly old. It's been around for several decades, and it has a bit of a humorous twist to it. Now, according to the legend, a cute young secretary invited her boss back to her place for drinks and to uh, socialize because it was his birthday. Well, while there, she says that she's going to go slip into something more comfortable and she leaves the room. Now, the boss apparently gets some mixed signals and he has something else in his mind. So when the woman comes back, she opens the door and she's not alone. There's actually several people behind her, including the boss's friends, family members, and co-workers. They actually were all gathered at the secretary's apartment to throw the boss a surprise birthday party. 
And I'm sure they were surprised when they opened the door and saw the boss sitting there in nothing but his socks and his birthday suit. Number three, Bloody Mary. This is another one of those urban legends that's actually been around for uh, quite a long time. Now, this legend states that you can summon an entity known as Bloody Mary, though she's also known as Mary Worth or Hell Mary. Now, in order to summon her, what you would have to do is you have to stare into a mirror in the dark while holding a candle, and you would say her name a certain number of times. Sometimes it's as little as three and sometimes it might be several dozen times. But if the ritual works, Bloody Mary will appear in the mirror. And it's said that the reason she's called Bloody Mary is because her face is all bloody. And what happens next really depends on the version of the legend. In some legends, she'll attack you. And in other legends, though, she actually can be a bit more beneficial. One version of the legend says that Bloody Mary will show a woman what her future husband is going to look like. However, if she sees a skull instead, it means that the woman is going to die before she has a chance to get married. And of course, there's a lot of speculation as to who this Bloody Mary person is supposed to be. Some people have said it might be believed to be the ghost of Mary I of England, who earned the name Bloody Mary because of the religious persecution that occurred under her reign. Other variations, though, say that she might be a witch or perhaps the spirit of a young woman who died in front of a mirror. Number two, Lost Episodes. This is actually a genre of creepypastas. A lost episode creepypasta is a story about a TV show that was either only aired once or that maybe was created and not aired at all. Usually, lost episode creepypastas deal with children's shows and the quality of the show, like the animation might be bad or mediocre, but usually in a lost episode creepypasta, it deals with grim or dark subjects, certainly subjects that you wouldn't expect to see in a children's show. The lost episode that is believed to be the forefather of this genre is Suicide Mouse. And in this lost episode, it shows Mickey Mouse walking down a street while disjointed piano keys play in the background. And then the, according to some versions of the pasta, the screen starts to fade out and become distorted. And then you hear a low gurgling, a scream, and then you see Mickey Mouse's face, along with a voice saying, Real suffering is not known. So supposedly the first person to see this would eventually fall into depression and kill himself. Another well-known lost episode creepypasta is Squidward Suicide. 
So in this episode, Squidward is preparing to play his clarinet at a recital. And if you've ever watched the SpongeBob series, you know that Squidward, well, no matter how much he practices his clarinet, he just never seems to get any better. So he's hitting some sour notes and it's the audience is looking at him looking very angry and they all have realistic eyes and Squidward looks afraid for his life. He, when he gets home, he starts sobbing on his bed and you see some pictures of some terrible things, some mangled and distorted bodies. And then you hear a voice telling Squidward, do it. Squidward then takes a shotgun, shoots himself in the head, and the episode ends. And finally, my number one favorite creepypasta or urban legend is Halloween. Because actually, I almost see Halloween as its own... uh, urban legend because there's been a lot of, well, urban legends about Halloween. Some of them might actually have a little bit of a basis in reality. For example, one urban legend about Halloween I can remember is the old story about how people would put needles, razor blades, or drugs in candy or fruit and then give them out to unsuspecting trick-or-treaters. And of course, that there's no documented cases of that happening. Uh, usually when it has happened, it was because someone was intentionally trying to kill or injure a family member. So because of this, I remember when I was a kid, they always encouraged us to take our Halloween candy down to the local hospital so it could be x-rayed and we could make sure that there were no needles or anything inside of our candy. But, of course, we don't do that anymore. They just tell parents to look at the candy and make sure that there aren't any holes or tears in the wrappers. Now, there's also another one that supposedly animal shelters will not adopt out black cats or dogs during the month of October. The belief here is that satanic cults would adopt a black cat or a black dog and use it in a ritual sacrifice. And I'm not sure where that started, but I used to volunteer at an animal shelter back when I was in college, and I think one of the people who worked there was saying that, yeah, they actually heard about places that wouldn't uh, adopt black animals during the month of October. But another reason I heard that they wouldn't adopt out black cats is because... I guess there were some reports of people using black cats as a living prop for a Halloween party. And then after the party, the cat would just be turned out onto the streets. But again, whether there's a great amount of truth to that, I'm not sure. But perhaps my favorite urban legend about Halloween is the haunted house that's so scary, no one has ever made it through. I remember hearing this story, I'd have to say probably the early 90s, around 91, maybe 92. One of my friends back then told me that he heard that there was this haunted house in the area that was so scary, no one ever completed it. Now, as I recall, 
it cost $50 to get into. And you were given a certain amount of money for every floor that you managed to complete. So, of course, there's different variations, uh, usually five or ten, something that is evenly divisible by five. However, the reason no one has ever made it to the end to get all their money back is because the house was just so frightening, no one could ever make it to the end. Another variation says that there is a way to make it out, but the way to get to the exit is so dangerous that no one in their right mind would even think of doing it. You might have to crawl through a trench of like broken glass and razor barbed wire, or you'd have to walk on a a narrow plank over a long drop. So again, just wasn't worth it. But like I said, there's some versions that say you get a certain amount of money back if you manage to complete a floor. Though other versions say that you only get a refund if you manage to make your way out. Now, uh, not too long ago, I remember hearing about a haunted house that appears to have taken note of this. And that is McCammy Manor. And in order to enter this haunted house, you have to sign a waiver. You have to go through a psychological evaluation and a physical evaluation as well. There's also this in the waiver that you sign, you uh, cannot touch any of the actors in the house. However, they're allowed to do all sorts of things to you. So according to one article, people who sign the waiver agree to be shocked, submerged in water, slapped, tied up, shaved, or have their teeth pulled out. However, if you manage to make to stay in this house for a certain amount of time, you get $20,000. So supposedly no one's ever done it. So given the waiver that you'd have to sign, I'm sure there's probably not a lot of people who take them up on that offer. Well, that concludes this episode. I hope you enjoyed my list of my 13 favorite urban legends and creepypasta. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and I hope that you all have a fun, happy, scary, and most of all, safe and enjoyable Halloween. It was a dark and stormy night, and the hosts of the Queens of the Damned podcast had just gathered around the fire with their tomes of forgotten lore. Don't forget the wine! And a lot of wine, much of which had already been imbibed. For her part, Miranda was discussing... A history of Frankenstein, from its conception to Karloff's beloved role as the monster. And Rachel would continue with... Vincent Price. Like, everything about Vincent Price... And as the fire died down, Nikki would conclude the evening with something related to gothic literature, probably. You know me so well. Do you like listening to three women debate about the cultural significance of the horror genre? And also axe murders. I do love a good old-timey axe murder story. Then Queens of the Damned, a horror podcast, is the show for you. Find us on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast. Visit us at queensofthedamnedpodcast.wordpress.com. 
qotdpodcast.podbean.com or email us at qotdpodcast at gmail.com for more details about our monthly horror giveaways. Stay spooky! have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.